Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Thursday, December 17th. We welcome you to our podcast as you join us uh, here together with uh, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, and we are so excited to come to you today and continue our study. And we want to welcome all our listeners, wherever you're tuning in from. We're so happy that you can take some of your time to be with us and fellowship in the word and be able to break the bread of life together. Yesterday, we began an exciting series on the book of Job, on the ordinances of heaven. And uh, uh, a tremendous uh, foundation was set uh, yesterday. And I'm excited about today uh, to the places where God is going to take us today. I pray that you are too. I pray that you have an expectation too as we study the word of God together. So we want to give as much time to the word, to the study of the word today. As we go on this podcast, we leave it to Brother Marty uh, to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God together. Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the underground church. We better get used to it. <laughs> Just kidding. <Amen>. All right. <laughs> no. Uh, this is part two of our series on the ordinances of heaven, and uh, we are laying the foundations of scriptural of our scriptural thesis, I guess you'd call it, so that in order by the grace of God and and His His instruction and and guidance by the precious Holy Spirit, really, uh, that we can be given skill and understanding in a greater depth in in what we are going to reveal. Uh, concerning the upcoming winter solstice appearance of the great conjunction of 2020. That's next week on Monday, if you're listening to this as we record this today on the 17th of December. December 21st, the great conjunction of 2020. What we're going to witness is the two planets of Jupiter and Saturn conjoining uh, on the winter solstice. The first time that, that it has actually been this close they say, in over 800 years. There was a previous conjunction that occurred in 1232, I think it was, Brother Jeremy, you were telling me, but uh, the actual closeness of the planets and the proximity uh, to each other that they will have has not been seen in over 800 years. And even though Saturn and, 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 and Jupiter have their their moments, they say, every 20 years, this particular kind of conjunction is is unique and something that hasn't been seen by any generation for eight centuries. Think of that. And it's coming. And it'll be here in a few days. Actually, the procession of it, as they call it, the movement of the planetary bodies, uh, particularly Saturn and Jupiter, have been moving toward each other. Check this out. Since January, <laughs> right when the year started. And so it's, they've literally been traversing across the skies, and they will come together on December the 21st. And that is what we're looking at. We're, we're going to be explaining some things that we believe the Lord is showing us, and, and we believe that something truly is being declared to the peoples of the earth. And it's very important to understand. Now, <clears throat> you know, our in our understanding... I think that as these things and these 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 signs and 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 things are happening in the heavens. I mean, we just had one. What was it? A couple of days ago, brothers in uh, in South America, there in Argentina and Chile, and they had a total solar eclipse of the sun. 
and at the same time they had a massive earthquake take place you don't you're not really hearing about that in the news but that's exactly what happened they had a 6.0 earthquake uh and then the and then the sun uh w- was already moving into eclipse it scared a lot of people on the ground right it's already a, an amazing thing to see my family and i witnessed the actual solar eclipse of 2017 I think it was in July or August of 2017, uh, when the actual sun eclipsed in the sky. I cannot describe to you, and I've seen a lot of things, uh, I cannot describe to you what that two minutes was like. It literally stood like that for two minutes. And what it looked like, it was awe-inspiring. But also, there was a sense of, of such a stillness and in many ways, it felt as if something uh, was being declared to us. It had that sense to it. And it literally made its way across the entirety of the United States, if you remember. And then that was followed by a, a most unusual uh, display in the heavens in September of that year on the Feast of, I think it was Tabernacles. Uh, you remember, Brother Fernando, you and I did a presentation at church on that whole thing. Um uh, it was it was the constellation of Virgo, right? She actually had she had the the description of Revelation chapter twelve of the woman uh, clothed in the sun with the moon at her feet and then and and a crown of twelve stars, right? And when you when you actually saw that that picture was actually taking place in the heavens, um, following that that great solar eclipse of of of, of the summer of that year. So signs in the heavens have been happening over the last several years. It's just that most people don't pay attention. But again, as we close out this most incredible year, and everything is really, you can just sense it. Nothing seems to be connecting as to, and what I mean by that is is, is the way that people have a sense of where we are in life. There are so many uncertainties, a lot of powers behind the scenes, fighting over the last bastion of freedom on the planet the United States of America, her church within the United States of America is being dealt with. The Spirit of God is moving and asking questions of us all. And so I really believe that what we're about to see as we continue to go forward in this second part of our series, The Ordinances of Heaven, that that we need to elevate uh, our understanding. We need to wake up. We need to get seriously intense about our personal walk before the Lord our influence upon our families, on our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, and as directed and led by the Holy Spirit within our communities where we find ourselves living. Many people are scared out there, and many people are seeking answers. And the question is, uh, will we be prepared? Like the great Apostle Peter said, be prepared to give an answer for why you believe what you believe. And, And there's gonna be a lot of people in these coming days absolutely in need of direction we're seeing it uh in these podcasts in the instagram broadcast brother jeremy's zoom thing uh that he does when he has church with people that um, the facebook page uh, the youtube channel all the different platforms we're trying to use uh many people are coming uh and and seeking answers and and god is using whatever little efforts that we're trying to do here we're just part of a great uh you know <laughs> collective of 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 people that are trying to get the word out as well as we know that you that are listening and so we're praying for you 
pray you continue to pray for us but but really uh something is happening and and the heavens are telling us this if we have eyes to see and if we have discerning hearts we will understand what is actually being said so let us add another piece to our understanding today and that's where we're going to begin again if brother jeremy would would you please read to us as we begin our study today brother jeremy in job chapter 38 uh, reading verse 31 through 33 and we'll begin our discussion today we pray you'll be blessed and settle in as we explore the ordinances of heaven in jesus name brother jeremy amen canst thou Find the sweet influences of Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion. Canst thou bring forth Mazarat in his season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Praise God. Do you know the ordinances of heaven, he asked Job, and can you set the dominion thereof in the earth? Most profound question. We encourage you to go back and listen to podcast number one in this series of the ordinances of heaven to fill in a lot of the blanks. As we head into uh, the second phase of this, we're continuing to lay deeper foundations. Much of what you're hearing, you rarely have here within within the confines of the church, but it is within the word of God, and it's it's time to <laughs> to at least begin to make the attempt to go a little deeper. So that's what we're doing here as, as we feel led by the Spirit. Now, we talked at length yesterday about Job being a type of the end-time church from the perspective of this. Uh, we read in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Job that, that there, was a, there was a meeting that occurred in heaven. And the, the the book of Job opens with the premise and puts forth the explanation, first and foremost, drawing our attention to Job as a righteous man, one who was upright before God, one who separated himself from the evil of his day. And then we're immediately taken into the councils of heaven where there's a gathering, a meeting between the sons of God and, and the Father himself. And, and this, and remember what we're talking about, that because this is important to what we're looking at. And and it says that Satan came among them. And then the account is given for those of you who know the story. Uh, this is just familiar, but to look at it in this way, God then asks the devil, Satan himself, uh, where have you come from? Really, in many ways, you can you can you can quantify the Book of Job as a series of questions that are posed, followed by uh by by you know by the, the the desire to seek out answers to those questions in the 37 chapters that follow because what would happen is is that God would allow the hedge of protection to be removed from Job and the enemy himself would come and afflict him for a very short period of time some scholars say 9 months at the most the rabbis say about that time frame about 9 months um, so it's a short period of time, but the hedge was removed. Why this is significant to us is because it, in the book of Revelation and, and throughout other various portions of Scripture, we are told that as we come into the final 
uh, days of the end times, that that is precisely what's going to happen. The final 42 months of human history, as revealed in the book of Revelation, will be launched uh, by a, a, an aggressive pursuit of, of the true church of Jesus Christ by the one they call the Antichrist, empowered or possessed, if you will, with, with, the, uh, with the beast from the bottomless pit. He takes, he takes control of this political figure and then directs his attention toward the church. But it's going to be allowed for a very short season. The hedge of protection of the true church of Jesus Christ in the last days is going to be removed. Now, I know that's, that doesn't make for, you know, building mega churches on those kinds of messages. <laughs> you, you usually you, you clear out the crowd, right? You get rid of the pretenders who are there for the popcorn and the bowling night on Thursday, right? I mean, this, it just doesn't fly. But we're here trying to, to reflect on some very, very serious things. And, and, and we don't preach them from the position of fear. We actually, I, maybe I'm a masochist, I don't know, man, but, you know, I preach it from the position of when I see these things, I actually get some sort of a strange comfort because I, I'm not entering into these days that are prophesied you know, ignorant. You know, we know we have the information. We've been given the revelation. We've been we've been given the entire book from Genesis to Revelation. It's there. And so if I know what's coming, uh I, I can brace for it, right? You know, it's it's like okay. Uh now what we do know also is, is that Job made it all the way through. Yes, he endured, yes, he went through some horrific kinds of experiences because he was up under attack specifically not by some you know little demon somewhere but by the devil himself by satan himself that is what is being told to the church in the end of time that the hedge is going to be removed but it's specifically in order to bring the last piece of the puzzle into the tapestry that's been built across the eons across the ages Paul described it in the book of Thessalonians, remember, where he, he told the Thessalonians that their persecution and, and the unrighteous attack against the early church was a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Literally, what he was saying there was that the wrath of God was going to come down on an unbelieving world, and subsequently also the principalities and powers that rule the ungodly world. All of it will be dealt with. And that the that one of the component pieces that justifies the divine edict, the implementation of the jurisdiction of the legality of the actions of the creator upon his creation, is justified by how his glorious church, his innocent children on the face of the earth are treated by the ungodly, which are ruled and directed by Satan himself. It brings the judgment of God. So that is why we see the prophecies concerning and, por and, and por uh, you know, foretelling what will occur to, the, to this end-time church uh, must be understood from that perspective. And this is precisely where he takes Job, that is the father, takes Job in his understanding. For 37 chapters, he's endured uh, an attack unlike any. Uh, ever has probably quite conceivably with the exception of course of the Lord Jesus Christ and all he endured when he walked on the face of the earth but Paul spoke of a fellowship of suffering that which is left behind of the Lord that's what he said I fill up the sufferings that have been left behind there is a fellowship in the suffering of Christ 
that the church itself endures and in essence has endured from generation to generation, from century to century, ever since the inception of the church in the book of Acts till now. But there is a unique fellowship between the bookends of the history of the Gentile church. And that is what we're, we're describing, you know, and, and is that what we see in the beginning is what we'll see in the end. When we see type and shadow or pattern, allegory, metaphor, whatever fancy word you want to use in the stories and the historical narratives of the word, we are witnessing prophecy being declared and prophecy being fulfilled. And there yet remaineth a portion for the end time church. Many will be required to stand unequivocally in boldness uh, in the midst of, of accusation and attack and ultimately quite possibly give the greatest of sacrifices in their steadfastness and, and absolute fidelity to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Savior and our King. Others we know, according to Matthew 24, will endure much like Job. It ain't going to be easy but they're going to make it through. And Jesus said it is at that point that he will return and cut short the days of trial and tribulation and great tribulation upon the face of the earth for the very elect's sake. And that is what we see in a picture here when the father shows up after 37 chapters and begins to address Job specifically as he's about to lift uh, the, the persecution, the tribulation, the trial that he was under. But he does so by asking him a series of questions. If you count them up, I think they come up to like 68 things or 68 questions that he asks Job. We ain't got time to go through all of those. But we're picking up God's questioning and declarations to Job today, as we did yesterday, in the verses that Brother Jeremy just read. Uh, he read to us chapter 38, uh, verse 31 through 33. Brother Jeremy, could you read to us again uh, verse 33, would you? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? So we have we have two questions that he asks here in the thirty third verse. Number one, he directs his attention to heaven, and then number two, he directs his attention to the earth in that order. Now the two questions that are asked are in connection with verse 31 and 32. Can you read verse 31 and 32 to us again? Yes. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maserat in this season or canst thou guide Arcturus with his son? So what do we see here then? <laughs> what God begins to do is elevate Job's suffering to a level that is far beyond just his own experience of that suffering. He's wanting to cause him to understand that what you are up under here is something that has its origins uh, <laughs> in the unseen realm. You are being uh, attacked, if you will, by something that is probably beyond your understanding to this point, and I've come to give you understanding. But how God gives that understanding is not only uh, for Job, but for us also. Because what he did was he drew Job's attention to the heavens, and specifically to the stars. 
in, in, in verse 31 and 32, what you'll find if you, if you do an analysis there is, is that he asks him three questions about Job's, I mean, four questions, I'm sorry, four questions about Job's ability, if you look at it. And then in verse 33, he then asks him about his knowledge. We won't get into this in depth, but but there's reasons for 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 that. Basically, in verse 31, he asks him, uh, "Can you bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades? Can you loose the bands of Orion? Can you bring forth Mazarot in his season, or can you guide Arcturus with his sons?" These are four specific questions. Now, what's fascinating is what God is doing here is he's taking Job from the circumstances that he's experiencing in the earth and then lifts him to look toward the heavens. And the reason he does that, there's many and multiple, but one of the reasons he does that is because he's trying to give him a different understanding of what it is that he's enduring. Now, there's always been saints of God that have had to endure testing and trial. But what makes Job unique is it's it's an endurance and a trial that has come upon him precisely at the time when Satan is roaming the entire planet, number one. Number two, precisely at the time when when that hedge of protection around Job has been removed. The two are essential components to our understanding as to this great book of Job and the way that the Father communicates with him, that is Job, uh, to give him the understanding of it. Remember what we're teaching always is that the veil is taken away when Jesus Christ and his gospel is applied to the Old Testament writings. The spirit or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we're looking at it from that perspective. So when, when, when God shows up on the scenes and begins to elevate Job's understanding, it's, it's for multiple purposes. When he asks him those four questions, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? Number one, it's to get him to reorient his mind into the fact that, number one, what he's enduring is beyond his scope to correct it or to bring himself up out of it. It's been nine months. And he's 37 chapters into this. He's been asking the questions himself. You know, he, he goes, if you read it, you know, there's places where he talks about, you know, he starts to take a personal assessment, for example. He says, you know, I've made a covenant with my eyes. I never looked on a woman with lust in my heart. If there was a poor guy, I helped him. You know, I've always fed the hungry. Uh, you know, I was I had fidelity to my wife. I've always treated my neighbor right. I mean, he goes down this list as he's up under this unexplainable trial, and 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 he basically comes to the conclusion: I ain't got no clue what's going on, because when I look at myself, I I, I examine myself, and everything I've always known tells me that if I live a certain way in fidelity to God that that ensures my protection. And and so I'm trying to figure a way out of this onslaught that's come against me. 
And when I've made 37 chapters of assessment and questions and interaction with other people that are the worst counselors on the face of the planet, by the way, I've come to no conclusions, no answers. I can't figure this out. And so when God finally shows up in chapter 38 and he begins to you know, tell him all this stuff, he reaches this point and he begins to continue his series of questions. And when he directs him to the heavens, it's with that in mind. He wants him to understand that the origin of this particular kind of tribulation you're under, Job, has its origin in the heavens themselves, and so does your enemy. It's the first thing that he's trying to get him to understand. This supersedes your natural experience of suffering in the earth, and it's so much higher and beyond what you've understood. The fellowship of the story or the narrative comes smack dab right down into the first century when the, new, the early church was born. They went up under the same kind of situation in many ways. But now it is coming to rest in the end of time. That is what the scripture is revealing. And so just like the early church, just like in Job's day and now in our time, the same principles apply. Because many are going to be questioning their faith in these coming days. Jesus said so. He said that iniquity was going to abound at such a level that the very love of many would wax cold. He said things would become so absolutely chaotic and frenetic that even daughter would turn against mother, brother against brother. I mean, we're talking about the breakdown of the fabric of religion and getting right down to brass tacks where everyone's faith is going to be examined. And if we don't have the proper perspective through repetition and consistent quality fellowship with the Spirit of God, where he can penetrate the multiple layers of, <laughs> of, of, of spiritual walls that we have built between him and the voice that speaks to our heart, we're not going to be able to endure these things must be understood from a high spiritual point of view. When it's times like this, we're talking about a, a servant of God up under the attack, not of a little imp or, a, you know, some, you know, whatever you want to describe it as, but, but Satan himself being allowed to attack him. That is precisely what the prophets say is going to happen in the end time church. And we're already seeing things history unfolding 2020 unique to to the multiple years that have preceded it unique to many centuries that preceded this is global in nature we now have a church all over the world it, it, it's not a segmented lo location church anymore it's not geographically in the middle East. it has spread through the whole world and it is now beginning to see especially the church in this country, that the, the confluence of events are moving us in a direction where it almost, if you have any kind of spiritual antenna about you, maybe you haven't been able to actually give shape and understanding to what you're sensing, but what, what, what seems to be a common thing that we're all experiencing, if we'll just pause for a moment and think about it, is we're being, it seems, propelled forward and, and and history is beginning to happen to us 
and 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 there's a sense that you can't you know ring the bell on the bus man you can't there, there is no platform that the train's going to stop at you're 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 a passenger on a ride that is being moved in a direction and there's a sense that we can't stop it it's like we're 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 coming downhill it's like we're we're we're, we're being propelled forward into something without our bearings many people and 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 try as we would like to to stop it <laughs> it just seems like it's just happening that's the same kind of thing that is being revealed here was happening to job and so when god takes him and elevates him into the heavens he draws his attention specifically to the stars but but with each uh time that he directs himself it's to a particular section of the sky <laughs> yeah so listen and then he asks him can you bind in verse 31 the sweet influences of the Pleiades and I'm tempted to go into each and every one of these things and what they mean but we, we won't we'll just we'll just ask the question they got asked can you bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades can you loose the bands of Orion? Can you bring forth Mazarot? For those of you who don't know, Mazarot is the zodiac. God is referencing the zodiac. God is referencing the 12 constellations in the visible arc of the universe that we see. It's what the planets move through. It's known as the processional or the processional cycle. In total, it takes the planet uh, to move through all the constellations of the heavens uh, on, on all cardinal points of the compass, approximately 49,500 years. Some say less, but either way, it's, it's, a, it's a huge number of centuries. Uh, so that's what he's referencing, the Mazarot. And this is why uh, when, you, when you study ancient history, you'll see this fascination with the heavenly bodies, but a consistent pictograph if you will, of what the ancients came to understand was something written in the heavens. But again, God asks him, do you have control over it? Can you make it function the way you intend it to? And then the final thing he says is, can you guide Arcturus and his sons? Each and every one of these is a component to, to the unfolding prophetic plan and purpose of God that has its origin in the ancient past and works itself out in its conclusion at the end with the return of the Lord. But by asking Job, can you influence Pleiades? Can you loose the bands of Orion? Can you bring forth Maseroth in his season? Can you guide Arcturus? Of course the answer is no. <laughs> I said all that to say no. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah. uh, are you going to say something, brother? That's funny. All of that to say, no, you can't. No, I can't, right? But see, sometimes it, it takes that to get through to us. He's not trying to crush Job. What he's right. trying to tell Job is, I'm the one who can do all this. Now, if yeah, I can yeah. do all that, then call upon me from that perspective. Because the being that's attacking you, he can't do it either. <laughs> but I can, right? What are you going to say, brother? 
I think it's in- interesting that uh, he would ask Job in the beginning, you know, uh, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth, you know, and, and lay, laid the measures of. Uh, so with that question, he begins to tell him, you know, who he was from the beginning, you know, and all those questions lead up to where we're at now, verse 31 to 33, to come. Like you said, it was necessary to lay that, to ask those foundations to provoke, I believe. I don't know if that's the right word, to provoke Job to think much more than where he's at to another place, another level, you know, where it all yeah. began. Yes. So, amen. And and that's why what, what, how we concluded yesterday when when God finishes talking to him and Job responds to God, he says, you know, uh, I've heard of you, <laughs> but now I see you. And, and and the difference, he makes the distinction and says, I, you know, I, I thought I knew who you were, but in essence, after this great revelation you're giving me, I realize I've only heard of you, but now I see you. And now he said, I actually abhor myself and repent in sackcloth and ashes. He was saying basically that I have limited you. I have not known you at at such a grand scale. I'm talking to to us as I as I have always sensed it. I get these glimpses in my heart by the Spirit of God. It's the great expanse. I don't know how else to say it. It's the expanse of God within the innermost part of our being. You know, David described the hidden part of a human soul and spirit. He talks about the inward part and God's desire that the inward part be saturated with truth. But then he takes it even deeper to what he described as the hidden part. The hidden part of our soul, our spirit, where he asks God to make him to know wisdom. It's that part we're referencing when I say the expanse of the spirit within us. When we when he begins to elevate us and 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 for moments of sparks of infer, you know inspiration, if you will, moments of clarity, moments where all things are brilliant, and and he carries you into that place of awe and wonder and the magnificent of the splendor and the glory of almighty God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the whole thing, you suddenly see it. You have a moment of absolute understanding, and then it dissipates and fades, and you have to re-pursue it because we live in a fallen world. But the closer that we get to him and the more that, that, <laughs> that we maintain an a walk of integrity completely assisted by the Holy Spirit and his strength within us. I'm not talking about perfection because we all stumble, we all fall, we all have moments of stupidity, but it, it's, it's the quickness of repentance and the, and, and the lack, uh, I mean, not the lack, but the intensity of never letting go of God that, that sustains us in our walk. And even then, he gives you the strength to do that. It's this consistent pursuit before him that draws him to you. Remember what Jesus told us concerning uh, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Let's take a look at that real quick, Brother Jeremy, before we go on here. In John chapter, I believe it's 14, 
he says something very interesting there. Are you there? Yes. Let me see. It might be a little, let's see, believe me. Okay. Well, read verse uh, 14, chapter 14, verse 14 and 15. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Yes. And then, so here we have, if if you love me, keep my commandments. And then he goes on at the bottom of this to say, uh, verse 21, can you read that? He that, hath my, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So there we see it, it, it's a procession and a consistency. He talks about uh, the possessing of his commandments and then the guarding of them or the keeping of them. So it's process. So I'm not trying to like overburden any one of you listening out there uh, that, you know, God, that's just unattainable. Well, it is. <laughs> if you look at it, you know, it's kind of like running a marathon, right? I mean, you're just like, man, I got 26.3 miles to go. Well, no, just put one step in front of the other. And before you know it, you'll be finished in a few hours. But it still requires one step after another. So is the ways of God. Jesus is saying here that if you have, he that has, that is taking possession of, of what he has spoken and then guarding it and keeping it. It's, it's, it's process. The, the, the acquisition then breeds the implementation of what is acquired. That's basically what he's saying. And, and, that, and that he it is that, is that loves me. He, he lays down in verse 21, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. If you read the 37 chapters of Job, that's precisely what he's declaring, is that I have, I have systematically taken pains in my entire life to ensure that I walk before God, as God testified of him, upright in heart, eschews evil. It wasn't a question of that. And, and why I'm saying this is, go ahead. No, and perfect. He says perfect, upright, uh, and like you said, a shoes of of evil. Yes, and he's, and, and the Job. reason I'm saying that is because what Jesus said, if if these things are in place, Jesus said, uh, you will be loved of the Father, and he says, and and I will come and make myself known to you. That's what that's what God did. He came and made himself known to Job. And in verse 23, can you read verse 23, Brother Jeremy? Yes, it says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Notice again, he, he qualifies the presence of God. This is Jesus now. I'm not talking about, <laughs> you know, I mean, many would, what I just said to you, the qualifying the presence of God would set so many, you know, great hyper grace people off their rocker mm -hmm. because they <laughs> yeah. tell us, 
right? They tell us there's nothing involved in the grace of God on our part, that it's all just, you know, gravy. <laughs> all I got to do is go down to an altar somewhere or even out on a retreat and, you know, say a few words. And now I'm part of the family of God. And it really doesn't matter after that point what I do because I've been forgiven by grace, right? Wrong. Well, That's not what Jesus said. Right. right. And, you know, then what do we say about Genesis chapter 6 when God speaks about Noah, when he says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord? And then it says this. Mm -hmm. It'll say about Noah the same thing it said about Job. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Praise God. What do we have to say about that? (laughs) Yeah, and it's qualified. It's the same with what Jesus said here. If you really love me, you're going to keep my words, you know. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, and my father will love you or love him. And 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 we will come to you and make our house with you. It's drawing the presence of God. Now, go back to uh, Job now and looking at it from this perspective. This is why God came to him, because he was that way. It drew the creator to him. It's a, it's extraordinary. And we could talk about that at length, but I wanna I wanna go on again to why he's reorienting Job's understanding. He's revealing himself to Job. And and I take uh comfort in this because this is a proactive act of the Father. This is God intervening. And in the midst of of his hedge-removed prophetic suffering, being attacked by the devil himself, God comes to him. And I draw comfort from this. God is making himself known to Job at the greatest level, probably, other than Daniel and Noah, because those are the only other two that he mentioned when he when he said that in Ezekiel, I think I forget what chapter now, I think it's chapter 14 or chapter 21 of the two, where he mentions that only Noah, Daniel, and Job would be spared when Jerusalem was going to be judged because of their righteousness before God. I, I, don't, I hope you understand what I just said to you, and that's this, that a great revelation, a revelation that is beyond human capacity to understand it requires god himself to give that revelation job testified of it that's what we quoted in verse uh, chapter 42 verse 5 and 6 of job where he said i've heard of you but now i see you and because i see you who i really am has become unbelievably apparent and what i need to repent of is not my sin because Job wasn't a sinful man. What I need to repent of is how I've limited my own spirit from truly understanding your grandeur and your glory. So when he asks him, can you do this? Can you bind uh, the, the, the influences of the Pleiades? Can you loose or, or Orion's bands? Can you bring forth Mazaroth in his season? Can you guide Arcturus with his son? The answer is no. And then that's followed by the understanding, but you can. 
And if I understand you at that level, then there's nothing that cannot be endured. Because what you're causing me to understand is in my temporary momentary affliction, which in the light of Arcturus and <laughs> Pleiades, Arcturus, Pleiades, Orion, Mazarot, and Arcturus, which have been there for billions of years, quite possibly. My momentary affliction is like what Paul said. It's a light affliction. And it's not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us at the appearance of Christ Jesus our Lord. It's magnificent because it's it's also a prophetic promise, if you can see here, that no matter what lies ahead, and we know from what the Bible tells us is coming, we know that it's temporary, we know it's intense, however, but we also know from what we're talking about here that God himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are coming to manifest themselves to us in a way that we've never known. It's the very kind of thing that produces an unshakable courage, a solid heavenly faith, an unmovable rock of a believer like the early church that can walk down into the very Colosseums of, of Rome in, back in the day of the early church with the sound of hungry lions and tigers and knowing they're about to be unleashed on them. And instead of running and shrieking in fear, they had a manifestation of God that was so transcendent from the natural world that they went into the arena singing the songs of Zion. Hallelujah, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Having asked him the can you questions, he now begins to focus him on why he directed his attention to the stars. That brings us to verse 33 again. Can you read verse 33 again, Brother Jeremy? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? And thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Now he begins to just dig in and show him some extraordinary things by what he's asking him. The word knowest, when he says, do you know the ordinances of heaven? Remember, he just started, he just finished talking to him about the 12 constellations, Orion, the Pleiades, Arcturus and his son, the Mazarot. And then he he says, okay, uh, I I'm 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 leading you to answer the question. No, I can't do any of that. But also breeding in you a meditative response that comes to the conclusion only God can do that, and that's the God talking to me. So then he directs him to those very constellations and stars that he was just pointing out to him, and he says, okay, now I can take you to this point because now I'm going to tell you what you need to know about those things. And that's why he asked him, knowest thou? Do you know the ordinances of heaven? And that word knowest is very insightful. It comes from the, <laughs> the Hebrew word yada. Uh, and, and it means to ascertain by seeing. It also means to, uh, to, to acquire knowledge by observation to inquire discernment, and to comprehend something. It also means this, which is really interesting. It means to know that you need to learn to know. Let me say that again. It also means to know that you need to learn to know and to be 
skillful in what it is that you see. So this is, all of that is wrapped up in the word yada in the Hebrew. So he's literally now taking his attention to the very constellations and stars and all the things he just asked him, do you have any power over this? And then he says, now what you need to understand about the heavens, he says, is that there's something to see there. Do you know? Do you see? What is it you're looking at when you look to the heavens? Because that's what I want you to focus on. Is it in, isn't it interesting that Paul uses those, those very same words? when he, The Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, our brother, when he told us, set your sight on what? Things above. Yeah. Set your sight there on things above and not on things below. Well, now, if we add that into the mix of what we're discussing, that kind of opens up a whole different perspective of what Paul was actually trying to reveal to us and say to us. Yes, it means where Christ sitteth, but it also means what the Father was telling Job. There's something mysterious there, and I want you to understand that you need to learn about it. Know that you have to learn something in order to know something. That's what he's telling him. And so he says, look to the heavens. And again, I reiterate, we're talking about Job as a type of the end time church. And we're headed to tomorrow's study after laying all this foundation so that when we actually hit you with what we're going to hit you with, it'll have an enormous impact if you're following us and understanding what it is the Spirit is telling us here. And I lay these foundations because much of what I'm going to share with you tomorrow uh, will, <laughs> if you just drop in on it and you come from a religious perspective without this kind of stuff we're talking about, you'll think I'm crazy. But we're laying a biblical foundation for what it is that we're being directed to look at and how to observe it. It must be done with skill and it requires discernment. What were you going to say, brother? You know, I think it's interesting. I keep thinking on, uh, for some reason, I keep thinking about David, the psalmist, who wrote some of the most beautiful psalms concerning the heavens, the stars, and, and many yeah, people wait, just wait, see wait, those. Wait, 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 wait. We ain't there yet. That's Psalm 19 I think you're talking about, but don't don't go there yet. Oh, okay. But that's what you're talking about, right? Well, I, I was just talking in general. Just okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was just talking. I wasn't going to Psalms 19. I just wanted to say in general, people just see these as nice poetic uh, psalms, but they're very prophetic. And I and yes. I just I'm just I'm just uh, uh, um, uh, as as I'm hearing you speak, when I think about David, how many times as a shepherd he was able to ponder, and you said knowing by seeing, by seeing yes. what he was seeing the heavens, the stars, the moon. You know, all those things inspired something in him to write these psalms that were, were that are profound, profound. Yeah, they and, really and are. I just keep thinking, and I just keep thinking on that. You know, to use the same, you know, what you're speaking about to connect it. You know, David the psalmist, yeah. his perspective, the reason why he was able to write these psalms, the stars, the heavens, and who am I, and look to the heavens, and and yeah. and so forth. As a shepherd, how many times did he ponder through the night where he got revelations 
of the majesty of of God. That that's what I wanted to say. No, that's powerful, and and it's an excellent point because if we look at it from from ancient history, it, it it is truly something that was distorted by the pagan nations of the world. Nonetheless, they understood uh, what all the peoples of the world understood that the stars, which at their time came with unobstructed viewpoints, right? I mean, there was no light pollution, in other words. There weren't big cities that that obscured uh, the beauty of the stars. Everywhere looked like the middle of the ocean to everybody, right? I mean, you you could just see the magnificence of them. And then what developed over time was a distortion of the understanding of what it is they were seeing. There's pictures up there. That's where the 12 constellations come from. Uh, When God told Abraham to come out and number the stars, he was showing him the constellations of heaven and beyond. And and there's, there's, there's deep truth there. So when we get to the time of David, we have established uh, centuries and thousands of years of historical um, documentation, along with distortion, that David would have been brought up under himself. And so what you're saying, brother, is, is really good there, because, yes, he would look to the stars. And and we're going to get to Psalm uh, 19 in 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 a, in a minute here, and and talk about what he saw, because he's doing what <laughs> what God tells Job to do, right from the beginning. He says, "Do you know the ordinances of heaven?" In other words, what he's telling him is, "Have you really ascertained what's up there? Have you actually seen it, Job? Because if you if if, if you will." Allow me to show you by my spirit what is actually being said. Then you will understand in a grand way what it is you're going through and what the conclusion of the matter is going to be when the pages of history have been rewritten. So he says, do you know, which we just talked about, the ordinances this is incredibly powerful, what he now takes him into. Because the word ordinances is very telling. It means to uh, a statute, not a statue, but a statute, an enactment, something that's been prescribed. And, and the word itself is broken up into two root words. Now listen to what God was saying here to him. Look up, discern what you're seeing. What you're seeing, the ordinances that he's referencing him to are, is in verse 31 and 32, right? The Pleiades, Orion, the Zodiac, the Mazarot, Arcturus, and his sons. He describes them as being statutes, enactments, something prescribed. It comes from two root words. One is, is, is choke. It means an enactment. Hence, an appointment of time and space. And then the final root word of it is most revealing. It's it's chakha. And it means, listen to this, it means to be engraved by a scribe laws and a lawgiver. 
and it means something that has been decreed. And it means also in its final analysis to appoint a lawgiver or a governor. All right. So what is he saying? He says, if you will look up there and you will discern what's actually there. I'm taking a breath here because what I'm about to say really impacted me. Because the father is literally saying that what has been written in the visible arc over the earth, in the universe itself, he likens it to an engraving, something that has been literally carved into the heavens. And what he's saying is, do you discern that? And he's saying, when you look to the Pleiades, when you look to Orion, when you look to the Zodiac, the Mazarot, when you look to Arcturus and his sons, understand what you're seeing there is something that has actually been carved out into the universe. And that the, the, <laughs> the fullness of what's been carved there is, is actually declaring in each one of their component beautiful parts that I've constructed in the heavens, it has something that relates to time and space, and it has a pointed time connected to it. It's been engraved. It's, it's a scribe. It's a recorded thing. And it's been done so, as, as he calls it, by the lawgiver. And it has been decreed and written in the heavens. That's what he means by heaven. Do you know, have you seen, have you discerned, have you had the skill to discern the ordinance, what is actually written in the sky? That's what he's telling him. It has been engraved by a scribe. He's using language that he would understand, of course, but he's using language that, that is also revealing to us something incredible that he has written the laws of heaven itself in the universe and that it is specific decreed law of Shamayim, that's heaven. And, it, it, and, and the ultimate conclusion of it is to appoint a lawgiver and a governor. That's what it's saying to Job. He's saying, listen, there is a lawgiver and a governor coming. It has been written in the heavens, and it is the ultimate conclusion of history. That's the first thing he says, do you know this? Do you know what's written there? I'm going to talk to you about Pleiades and the bands of Orion. I'm going to talk to you about the constellations coming forth in their appointed times and seasons and I'm going to talk to you about guiding Arcturus and his sons now you're going to have to know that these are ordinances they're not just pictures of interesting things they are ordinances in other words they've been inscribed in the very fabric of space itself the visible arc over the planet that you find yourself on Job up there is written what I intend to do 
and I'm telling you the story. Now, you're going to need to discern it. But more than that, I'm going to take it further so that you'll get a deeper understanding. He says to him, if, if you discern the ordinances of heaven, that's great. But I want to ask you something, Job. Can you set the dominion of them in the earth? Can you bring what is revealed in the heavens and impose the jurisdiction of it, the prescribed law of it, the engraved declaration of it? Can you bring it down and establish it on the earth? Because that's what's written over your head. Are you guys there? <laughs> yes. Any thoughts? Incredible. Praise God. So, there, you know, you know, you're right, and you said something. These are not just pictures. What you say of interesting things that we yes. see, right? Oh, it's a picture right. of this or that, but really. He has engraved. That's powerful, brother. What you're teaching. He has engraved the ultimate conclusion of heaven. That's amazing. You know. That's what and he's telling he left you. It. Wow. That's what he's telling him. See, and 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 that's what he's telling us. Another, yeah. just from a scientific point of view, brothers, it's very fascinating because what we have learned in the modern era is that the very building blocks of creation can be broken down into unseeable things, but they're still material. Space is described as a fabric, the fabric of space and time, have you heard that? God describes it as, as a lattice, or even as a rope that's intertwined. Einstein understood something uh, as it pertains to gravity and the influence of planetary bodies on the moons that rotate around them. What he understood was that space, space itself, as it's constructed by the creator, is just that. It's a fabric. It would be as if you took a, a heavy bowling ball, let's say, and you dropped it on your, you know, the, the blanket on your bed. What would happen is that the blanket itself would bend toward the heavy object, right? Uh, there'd be the outlying aspects of your blanket, but in the center where the bowling ball is, everything rolls down toward it because the blanket is actually suspending the bowling ball, but anything that gets close enough to where it bends toward the bowling ball, the solid mass, gets caught up in its influence. So what are you saying? It's a fabric. So when God presents to Job to look into space, what he's literally saying to him is, I've engraved on that fabric the very stars and constellations. But in the engraving, it's as a lawgiver and a scribe. And the pictures that you are seeing there, which I've set in place, are actual decrees that have issued from Shamaim, heaven. They've come to rest around the planet earth itself where you find yourself because remember brothers and sisters the earth is the lord's 
But what God has been explaining to Job since the beginning of chapter 38 is the earth is a rebellious planet that was ruled and is continually being brought under control of a fallen creature. We call him Satan. But all things that are done within the construct of the material universe must be governed under the laws, the established eternal laws of Almighty God. Everything works according to structure and decree, but righteous decree, perfect decree, the building blocks and sustainability of all things. That's what the Bible means in Colossians when he says he upholds all things by what? By the word of his power. It's the construct of consciousness and reality that we're talking about here it's how he's addressing job and he's what he's directing all of our attention to therefore is and what he's revealing to job and to us is that he has engraved like a scribe like a lawgiver in the universe and specifically in the pleiades orion mazarot arturus and his sons the stated huge plan and determination of his will in the very heavens themselves, the sun, the moon, the stars, all of it. And he says, knowest thou, do you perceive, do you have the skill, and have you not yet learned that you need to learn what I've written in the heavens? Let's look at Keep your finger there and turn over now. Psalm 19. Go ahead, Moses. Job 37, 18. It says, has thou with him spread out the sky? Is a question being asked by by the Lord. Yes. Which is strong and as a molten looking glass. Um, So (laughs) he likens likens, uh, the sky as a molten glass or... Uh, literally a metal that's what the word molten means yeah that is shiny like a glass a metal in which you can inscribe or engrave engrave the eternal plan of god in the planets in the the cycle of the planets uh, the stars so forth and so on um it, it, it's a fascinating thing that the Lord is saying. It's literally the gospel in the heavens. Amen, brother. That's right? exactly right. Exactly. He is proclaiming is. the gospel in the heavens. And, and for, for a long time, to this has been uh, maybe a little taboo to, to study the planets in this and in, in, in the stars in, in this way. Uh, because of distortion of, of, of you know the pagan way of looking at at the, uh, the you know the cosmos the planets the stars and all that, um, but what, what we see here is that when God created the planets, He created the stars. It was with the intent of giving information to His people on Earth concerning exactly. His eternal concerning His eternal will. Now. Obviously, the devil capitalized on that and, 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 and completely corrupted the way the planets and the stars are viewed. Um, this is something that the modern-day Christian 
you know, needs to be taught correctly about. It's not that we're, yeah. it's not astrology we're talking about here. No. This is the Lord using the examples of the planets and the stars with his servant. Yes. That's powerful. That yeah, and that's yeah. powerful what you wrote there because, or what you were describing, that metal, you know, that's how God describes it. It's, 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 a, it's a fabric, it's a thin veneer upon which he's engraved something, which we're talking about here. Uh, drawing our attention to to particular aspects of the sky. That's what he's telling Job, the Pleiades, Orion, Mazarot, Arcturus, and his sons. Keep going, brother. What were you going to say? No, it, it, it's, it's a thin layer, right? It's, it's, a, it's a molten glass. It, and in, 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 in he likens it, the planets and the stars, as to that, as to mm-hmm. what stands between us and understanding the eternal realm of God and the eternal will of God, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It's it's it, it and and to begin to study the the the, the cycle, the planets and the stars, and trying to find out God's eternal will, the story of the gospel, we are connecting with Him as such in such a level, right? Uh, yes. That that is so, and that's what He's telling Job, like you know. You have not sought me in this way. This is a higher level I'm bringing you to here. So it's like what the Apostle Paul said. He says, we see through a glass darkly. (laughs) Right? What was he trying, what what is he talking about? Right. He understood understood these teachings. He understood that what stands between us and in the realm of the spirit and understanding the eternal will of God is that little thin layer that we're talking about, right? Uh, when we bring it down to a personal level, it's it's the, the realm of the spirit and, and, and the natural, right? And, and it is the word of God, mm-hmm. right? It is the word of God that 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 stands to be, it, that's, it's, it's between those realms, that allows us to pierce into those realms, to understand things at a higher level, to see things as God intended them to be seen. Yes, as God intended them to be seen. Now, unless someone thinks, well, that's, that's I don't know, I got to think about it. Well, yes, please do think about it. Uh, but also understand Jesus did the same thing, right? He, he talked about us uh, looking up. He said, you lift up your head. He talked about signs in the sun and the, the moon. Yep. And the stars, right? I mean, he, he says, you look there. He spoke about cosmic yeah. events preceding yeah. his coming. Yes. And that's where we're headed, right? And that's why we're laying this probably well, <laughs> you know, heavy-duty discussion. Because we what we're going to reveal tomorrow, uh, uh, you know, th- two days away from the actual event that's coming, is going to absolutely blow people away. And, and and we're going to put it out there. But we're laying these foundations, creating these pathways of meditative thought through the scripture. Now, we ain't, we ain't taking you over to this guy's thought or this guy. We're actually quoting the Bible all along the way as our foundation so that when, when we look into the wise men and when we look into the conjunction that's coming on December the 24th, it will have a massive impact. And it's vital that we understand it because God told us to. He told Job to. And if Job is indeed a type of the end-time church, then the same kind of connective understanding from the perspective as it's 
ministered to Job and subsequently to us by the Father himself, then it will become the anchor for our soul and the very thing that keeps us through and in, and endures till the end. So what he <laughs> remember, again, Job begins with a with a meeting in heaven. It's not by accident that that we that it's introduced to us that way. We have the sons of God, the angelic host. What you just said about the Apostle Paul, he talked about such things in such deep levels. He talked about multiple dimensions of existence. It is he that wrote Colossians chapter one when he talked about Jesus Christ being the one. He said, without him, there was not anything made that was made, right? Uh, all mm -hmm. things were made by him and all things were made for him. He says, all things I say, therefore, whether they be thrones and dominions and rulers and principalities and powers, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven, whether they be things visible or things invisible. He gave us a list of principalities, of powers, of rulers, of dominions, of thrones. And he described them as being multidimensional. This is a first century man writing like this, enlightened by the scriptures, the holy scriptures. And, and he told us there's multiple dimensions. And he said there's rulers in those dimensions. There's, there's principalities. A principality is a territory of uh, an inhabited territory, cities, mega cities, if you will. Lord only knows. But there's rulers there. There's principalities there. There's powers. There's jurisdiction there. And he said they're both visible and invisible. And so when Job begins, we see the sons of God coming before him. That is the ruling elite of, of the councils of heaven. Those given the charge over the administrative will of God throughout his created act of both visible and invisible. And they come to present themselves to God. Satan shows up already in a fallen condition. He's gone from being Lucifer, the one who bore the light, to becoming the adversary, and he's presented that way. If you continue going on in what we're talking about here and study it yourself, chapter 38, 39, by the time we get to chapter 40, he's no longer being introduced, and 41, excuse me, he's no longer, that is, Satan being introduced as Satan. He's now been reduced down to Leviathan, the dragon. There's reasons for all that. But but my point is, this book we're looking at and why we're laying this foundation is because we're graduating, brothers and sisters. We have entered into the last days, the end of time. And we are being accelerated by the grace of Almighty God into some very profound hidden things that the angel Gabriel told the prophet Daniel would be ministered to the end time church. He called them the wise who would understand. Now, let's look at Psalm 19 real, close, real, real quick here. Are you there, Brother Jeremy? Psalm 19? Yes. Read to us the first five verses. And, and, and when you do, remember, brothers and sisters, listen to these first five verses written by King David in light of what we've been discussing. And it's just incredible what David says. Verse 1 through 5, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, 
and the firmament showeth his handwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Where is, excuse me, which is as a bridegroom coming out of the chamber and rejoiced as a strong man to run a race? My mind. So he, 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 he says the same thing that God is telling Job. The heavens themselves are declaring something. They're telling something. That's what David's reiterating. They are speaking. And he, he talks about the to, the word declare that David used there, declaring, it, it means that the heavens are enumerating something. Uh, it also means that they're mustering something, calling something forth. And what they're calling forth is the officer, the secretary, the scribe, the learned man, the scribe. That's what declaring means. It has all that meaning in it. That like a scribe, like an officer, like a ruler, like 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 an enumerator of a task. That's what he's saying that the heavens are declaring. And what they're actually saying, as David records, that the glory of God is the awesomeness of God. The weight of our creator can be seen there, he says. And then he says the firmament, which we were just talking about, the visible arc in the sky, the universe. The firmament showeth forth. It's showing something. And what David was revealing is it, 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 the firmament itself, where the constellations abide, where the stars are, where the planets move through. He says they stand out boldly and they're announcing something and they're making manifest something. And the root words go on to reveal that they are like a messenger and they, ha they are publishing, declaring and proclaiming something. That's what he's saying. He says the heavens, like a scribe, have something written there, like a secretary. It's been engraved, he says. And in that sky, the firmament, it is actually announcing and making manifest and standing out boldly, publishing and declaring and proclaiming something. That's what he's saying. Incredible. And then he says that they show God's handiwork. And that word handiwork literally means uh, a sign a monument and strength and power. They're meant to be a monument, a reflection of his strength and power, but also signs. Now, in verse 4, he says their line is gone out. This is very incredible because the word line, it literally means, uh, it, that word line is a cord that connects something. Go back and listen to the podcast because there's a lot of information being shared here. Look at verse 4. He says, their line, that what line? What's being declared in the heaven, what's being published there, what's been engraved there, what's being proclaimed there, what's being manifested and announced there. Uh, he says, their line has gone out. Their line has gone through all the earth. The word line, is a, it means a cord that connects something. And, and why he says it that way is because the intent is to bring what is written in the skies down onto the earth. That's what he's saying. It's a cord. It's meant to connect the two realities. 
we're we're so far out there now we can't get back so we might as well keep going so listen <laughs> the, the cord is connective that's what david's revealing it's the intent that what has been inscribed in that metal glass engraved that brother uh, fernando was talking about is in the ultimate intent is to bring what is being proclaimed up in the heavens written by the finger of God, created by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, is to connect the heaven with the earth. So this kind of so, opens up Brother more Martin, our understanding what, what Jesus wait a minute, what Jesus said when he prayed, right? Right. Said, yeah, that's what I was going to. Right. Okay, go ahead, say it then, bro. No, because uh, it, it, you, you're saying we're so far out there, and I, you know, I, I asked the question, are we? I don't think so, because <laughs> it's the Lord's Prayer. Um, that's yeah. really what prayer is all about. That's really the, the focus of prayer is to connect that which is in heaven with the earth. Let your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Yes. That's that's what we're we're doing when we're praying. It's the Lord's prayer, as you said, right? It's 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 ultimately what's taking place. It's earth mm -hmm. is coming down to heaven. I John saw the great the the new Jerusalem come down from God out of heaven, right? Adorned, yes. right, as a bride yes. for her husband. Yes. It's coming down. Heaven is coming down. Yeah, right? to so the earth. That's that's yeah, to the earth. That's what we're seeing. And and that's what he prayed. That's how he used. That's how he prayed the Lord's prayer in Luke chapter six, I think it is, where he said, uh, "As it is in heaven, uh, so upon the earth." Right? It's always the heaven to the earth. Now, again, the the subject, even when we begin the Bible, is the the heaven and the earth. Right? The earth is unique. It is God's. It belongs to God. Right. <laughs> it's the most magnificent place in the universe. Try as they try mm -hmm. to convince people that they talk about these exoplanets and these, you know, we possibly saw a little flicker of light, you know, 20 billion light years from us. So wait, that's got to be a planet. They have no clue. And I'll tell you what, there's only one earth. There is no other place like it. It's God's. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And I've had the privilege with my family to travel a good portion of this earth. It is the most magnificent, whether it's <laughs> whether it's the mile-wide, uh, fantastic uh, icebergs and glaciers of, of Antarctica, or the or the beautiful uh, peaks of the Andes in in in, the, in Peru, or the plains of East Africa. You know, or, or flying over Iceland and Greenland, or the or the vast expanse of the Sahara. Or, or or the or the great uh, waterfalls in Argentina, and 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 the oceans, you know, around the world. I mean, we've we've traveled them, we've traveled them, and I've seen God's handiwork. This planet, yeah, it just freaks me. It, it doesn't freak me out. It makes me laugh. Everybody wants to get on a on a, on a spaceship and go to Mars. Why in the heck would you want to go to Mars? I mean, there ain't nothing there but <laughs> dust. You know, I mean. Give me a break. Good luck. See you later, Elon. You know, I mean, whatever. <laughs> Have fun <laughs> on a desert planet. You know, go ahead. No, no. Something profound is being revealed, and 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 all creation is connected. 
and all creation is proclaiming something. And David says, uh, what is in the heavens, the line of it or the cord is, is destined to go throughout the whole world, what's being proclaimed in the firmament. That's what he's telling Job. And again, I reiterate, he's telling Job this precisely because of the creature that's troubling him. Job as an end-time church, the end-time church has to understand that. It's Satan himself. And because it's Satan himself, there is no other creature, is no other being, is no other uh, you know, uh, adversary greater than him. It's come to the end, and God is going to deal with him himself, and he wants us to look to the heavens, especially as we enter in these days. That's what we're going to do tomorrow. We're going to talk about the wise men. We're going to talk about the real Christmas star. But then we're going to fast forward it right up into our time as we close out 2020 because God is telling us something. And, and we're going to tell you what that is tomorrow as we, as we, as we get close to, the, to concluding this. Because he says, look, this, the cord is for connecting, like Brother Fernando just shared in the Lord's Prayer. It's thy will be done uh, as it is in heaven, so upon the earth. The new Jerusalem comes from heaven down to the earth, right? The Bible begins, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth, man, this is where everything's being contested. Now listen, he then, in his revelation, and we've gone through this really quickly, David in Psalm 19 talks about uh, that it's designed, what it's declaring, he likens the sun to the Lord Jesus Christ traversing through the heavens. He says he's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. He's basically saying the heavens are declaring the second coming of the Lord. That's what he's saying. When it's all concluded, it'll be like the sun, you know, running a strong man, running a race, uh, which speaks of acceleration and speed. When what is being declared reaches its conclusion, it'll be like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber when he talks about the sun that God put the Son as a typology for us to understand him from the perspective of the Lord himself. Now, shall we continue? Let's see how long we've been going. Okay, we got five minutes. We got five minutes. So this is the story the heavens are telling. And the Lord, again, he asks Job, in verse 33, can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, again, verse 33? Job, yes. Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? That, that That's exactly what he's asking now. I want to just point something out really quick here. Brother Jeremy, can you turn over to Daniel chapter 10? Yes. Real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm here. And can you read to us verse 20 and 21? Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come, that I will show you that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. Incredible what's being revealed there. Take it in the context of what we're teaching here and what's being revealed to us by the Lord uh, about heavens. Uh, Gabriel references something he calls the scripture of truth. And he connects it 
to fighting principalities and powers in the heavens. In verse 13, he, he references this, this thing in, in verse 13. Can you read verse 13 to us, Brother Jeremy? Uh, of, te- of 10? Yes. Yes. We'll start with verse 12, the, 12 and 13. 12, 12 and 13. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief prince, came to help me, and I remained there with the king of Persia. And then Gabriel ties it to the to the end times. He talks about, I'm come to make you understand what will befall your people, verse 14, in the latter days. So look at what's being revealed here. Gabriel reveals uh, something he calls the scripture of truth. And the origin of that scripture of truth, which I'm now proposing to you, brothers and sisters, is the scripture that God has engraved in the heavens above, because that's where the fight took place, in the heavens. And so it's Mm -hmm. a fascinating thing to understand that he says, look, when Daniel prayed according to the scripture, when he prayed in, in, in Daniel 9, and, and he prayed according to the prophecies and all that kind of stuff that we've we've been over over the last couple of weeks. He was praying what has already been written, and 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 and, and Gabriel tells him, as soon as you prayed, your words were heard, and he says, and I came to you, I was sent to you from the heavens, right? From the heavenly perspective is where he came from, and he says, as I made my way to the earth, what was already revealed and what you were praying as God has had you pray the words of Jeremiah, the prophet, really, uh, in order to, you know, the captivity being released, the visions that have been given to you, so forth and so on. It literally necessitated breaking through principalities and powers that are contesting what's engraved as they surround geographic and territorial locations upon the planet Earth. And he says, I've come uh, in verse 21, he says, uh, I will show you what's noted in the scripture of truth, and there's nobody holding with me. In other words, contesting over what's been written, except for Michael, your prince. And when I leave here, he says, I'm going to go back and fight through principalities. and power. That's what makes the Lord Jesus Christ so powerful. You know, he's the Lord of glory, of course. You know, that's, that's an understatement, right? But think about what he did. He went into the lowest parts of the earth, the Bible tells us. He takes captive captivity, and then he leads a glorious procession through all the multiple dimensions that God created and throws off principalities, throws off powers. Nobody could resist him. He achieved what was written. He brought heaven's will down into the lowest parts of the earth. He connected the oh my God, he connected the cord, brothers. Hallelujah! He came, he, he came and established jurisdiction and rule in a legal way because he fulfilled the law. Now, uh, all of this is connected, right? So now let's let's conclude with this in Job thirty-eight, thirty-three. <laughs> uh. 38, 33. Can you read that, Brother Jim? Yes. 
Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? That's what he's asking him now. We've already dealt with, do you know the ordinances of heaven? We just finished with that, right? So now he then says, but but can you take what has been inscribed, engraved, written in the visible ark of the sky? Uh, in the information I give, remember God drew his attention to the Pleiades, to Orion, to the to the twelve constellations of the zodiac, and subsequently their their uh, their decans too, right? That the the they, they each have three minor constellations attached to them. That's for another day. But then he says, can you can you uh, uh, and then Arcturus and his sons, can you guide them? So he's he's taking them to particular aspects of the sky, and and what is around the visible arc of the Earth itself. And he reveals that to it. Gabriel called it the scripture of truth written in the heavens, where in that time they were yet being contested over. Prince of Persia, Prince of Greece, other principalities and powers. Michael has to come help fight. Everything is still being worked out and connected, but it was the Lord Jesus Christ himself who made the connection, who actually fulfilled it, who actually brought God's will from heaven down onto the earth in a completely perfect a fulfillment of the law. It broke the back of that rebellious, wicked serpent called the devil. It broke his back. It stripped him of his power. He no longer has jurisdiction over the planet, and it was done legally, eternally. And from the from the courtroom of heaven, it was established. The gavel came down when that stone was ro rolled away, and, and he was declared to be that chief officer, that magistrate, right? I mean, that we've been, dis I mean, this is incredible. And so he's asking Job, can you bring that down? Everything that's written, can you set it in place? The dominion, he said, can you set the dominion in the earth? That's what he's trying to reveal to Job. This is what's happening, is that all these multiple dimensions, all these glorious expressions of my creative act, all these principalities, powers, the sons of God, the rebellious angels, all of it is part of a grand, incredible or orchestration of a drama that's been being played out for billions of years just to put some kind of a date on it. And he says, but look, uh, what I'm asking you is, is can you set the dominion thereof? Because I'm going to is basically what he's telling him. I'm going to set it in place. The dominion means the jurisdiction, the rule, the authority. And the root word of dominion means the official, the officer, the ruler, the magistrate, the overseer. Can you put him in the earth? Can you bring his jurisdiction, his rule, his authority into the earth? This is what he's asking Job. This is what we've been discussing. He's asking Job, in essence, can you bring forth my will in heaven revealed upon the earth? Can you bring one forth, an officer, a ruler, who will take back what was illegally stolen by one who has been afflicting you? The one that that demon has been afflicting you, that fallen Satan has been afflicting you, the one who walks up and down on the face of the earth going to and fro. That's what he's asking. Can you bring a ruler to deal with him? Because Job, that's what this is all about.
and you'll understand it when you realize what I have done has already been decreed and engraved in the very fabric of the universe itself and the visible arc of the sky. This is why I hid the waters as a stone. Go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. And, and, and the cherub of the abyss is already trapped. So that's what he's trying to tell him. It's been written in the stars. And when it's completed, Job, he's saying, I'm going to bring the one ruler and he will take back the earth. He is Orion. He is the Lord of the seven sisters, right? Pleiades. He's, he's the Lord of, of the Pleiades, the seven sisters representing the church. That's what he's talking about. Orion holds the seven stars in his hand. That's what Jesus said, right? That's how John described him in Revelation chapter 1. As he that has the seven stars in his hand. That's, that's a reference to the Pleiades. I know, I know, just bear with me. His story is written in Mazarot, right? His name is Jesus. So let's, let's take a look at this. Turn over to Matthew chapter 2 as we close. Matthew chapter 2. Hey there, Brother Jeremy. Uh, getting there. And, and uh, read to us Here verse 1 and 2. 1 and 2, verse 1 and 2. Okay. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship them my mind so the wise men that's what they're called the wise men the discerning ones right tomorrow we're going to explore the star of the lord and the great conjunction of 2020 they are connected we have seen they said the wise men we have seen that's what that's what God was asking Job. Do you know the ordinances? Have you seen them? Do you discern them? In essence, that's what the wise men were saying. We have fully discerned what the heavens are saying. Where is he that's born king of the Jews? That's what they asked. We, 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 we understood it by reading what God wrote in the heavens. That's why they're called the wise men and will come to worship him. That's what we're going to look at tomorrow. What was that star? When did it happen? Can we date it? Do we know what happened? Yes, we do. What was actually happening? Where did they come from? Who influenced them? Brother Fernando will share a little bit about that and, and why it shook the city and what it means to us and what Monday's great conjunction is saying to us. That's what we're going to look at. Brother Jeremy, I want to close with... Matthew 24, 29, and 30. Matthew 24, these are the words of the Lord Jesus. 29 and 30. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. 
and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Praise God. So again, the sign of the Son of Man, Jesus directing ourselves and, and his children to the heavens. Pay attention to what's taking place in the celestial events is what he's saying. And and the digger you do you di and the more deeper you dig into it, the more you begin to realize how incredible this God that we call God really is. It is why what you talked about earlier, Brother Jeremy, uh, you know, how how Satan moved to distort these things, because that's exactly what he did. And it's why God became so angry with his people, because they, like Paul described in Romans, they took the creation and they ended up worshiping the creation instead of the creator who made them. And they worshiped the creature more than the creator. They began to worship the sun, the moon, and the stars. They began to make idols of them. They began to come up with all kinds of mythology. Satan has worked over time to distort what God plainly inscribed in his heavens in an effort and in a counter move to prevent the fulfillment of it. But Jesus fulfilled it. And there's yet a little bit more that has been written that is coming. David referenced it. The sun has been set in the constellations, and they are like a house or a tabernacle for him. And it, and when he comes forth in his circuit, he's like the bridegroom that comes out of his chamber. And when he comes, he's like that strong man that runs a race. He's fast. He's coming quick. And it's what the heavens are telling this final generation. So even as the father spoke to Job, I believe so is the Lord speaking to us now by his only son, the Lord Jesus. Remember, he told us to look up. He told us there would be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. But tomorrow, like we said, in part three, we journey with the wise men who came following the Lord's star to Jerusalem by wisdom and discernment given to them by the Holy Spirit. And our journey will lead us all the way Lord willing, to our time. Like we said, a sign is being given in the end of 2020, December 21st, the winter solstice, and the Lord expects his children to discern what it means. And this we shall do as the Holy Spirit continues to reveal to us the ordinances of heaven and the great conjunction of 2020. Brothers and sisters, till then, keep looking up. Even so, return quickly, Lord Jesus, is our prayer. In thy holy name we pray, amen. And amen. Brother Jeremy. You know, as we leave today, I think now <clears throat> I can understand a little bit better what, what David said in chapter 8 and verse 3 when he said, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, and the stars which thou hast ordained. He says, When I consider... He wasn't just talking about when I look at it, when I see it, when I gaze at it. But he was talking about when I inspect it, when I perceive it, when I consider it, when I discern it. He was talking about something much more deeper. That's what God wants us to perceive today. That when we look to the stars, amen, to the heavens, we're not just gazing at something we want to consider that there's a message that God has left 
in the in the heavens to be revealed to those who seek after it. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We pray that um we've been we pray that you've been blessed with this uh with this uh study, with this podcast. And I pray that you join us as we look forward to speaking a little bit deeper now on that star. Amen. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.